The Trek Files, Season 7, Episode 11, Star Trek Director Memos, 1967. the Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Welcome back, Star Trek fans, all you Star Trek history buffs, all you shippers, you canonistas, I use the term lovingly, you tech heads too, and yes, of course, all you Trekophiles spelled with an F. Hey, we have an atypical episode for you this week. Still based on documents from the Roddenberry Files, but taken from more of a private interview of an amazing guest you've heard bits of before here. So, yes, as you will see when you check out our Files of the Week at Trek Files HQ, a.k.a. Facebook.com slash The Trek Files, we are back in the TOS era, you'll see, with an eyewitness creative. So as you check out those full documents on the site, here's an audio sample to whet your appetite. Followed by more of my conversation with the seven-time original series director of amazing classic episodes like Metamorphosis and Bread and Circuses, Ralph Sinensky. As an incentive to have directors complete production of Star Trek episodes in less than six days, we have agreed to pay each director completing production in less than six days a bonus of $500. Yes, back in June, one month after his 98th birthday, I sat down with Ralph to talk about his episodes, his relationship with Trek creatives from the jeans on down, and the entire evolving vibe during original Star Trek, and from then to the industry we know today. Hey, you can check back on those recent episodes about This Side of Paradise with a spore-happy Spock, and that time the new Paramount Bean Counters fired him midway through the Tholian web. Now today, here's some insight into what Ralph called his happiest time on Star Trek, directing Metamorphosis, or the Episode 2 slot of Season 2, as it's referred to in his deal memo. And then later on, for slot 17 of the season, for a show that we know of as Bread and Circuses. A real transition episode, both in showrunners and in studio owners. And now, here's more of my conversation with Ralph. This is, I just thought you might get a kick out of this. This is... The deal memo, this is like the Desilu and then Paramount deal memo. This is for metamorphosis. But see, it's like they just typed the particulars in. Here's the form. Mm -hmm. And they've just typed oh, you in with your agent. Oh. Yeah, and the dates, like the prep dates and everything. I've never seen this. I, that's what I thought. <laughs> and then there's a sheet for all your shows. Go. Yeah. Okay. But what's interesting is, like, here's the half-page like the deal memo when they say please do one of these they just oh, yeah. had little triplicate things yeah. and they for the yeah, directors like, and never, writers and composers we never saw any of yeah, that oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> that's what but I that's it's just to have it to be reduced to a little piece of office paper you know was I just it's kind of interesting so I was reviewing here and you the seven shows you the really seven shows yes. counting the last one 
Now they did have like a bounty, not a bounty, but they did have a thing where they were trying to. Did you did you remember this? Because I've seen the notes when if you could bring a show in six days or less, that you got a little bit of a bonus. You never do. Okay, they may they may have come and gone while you were. Well, well, that maybe Mark Daniels and Joe Pevney, mm -hmm. who were the prime directors. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't know that I was considered the third man on the team. I didn't know that. Oh, well, if they told you that, you might have won the race. Oh, that's why they didn't tell me. <laughs> uh, Jerry Finnerman told me that on one show that he did, and it was a rough show, and that they told him that if he could bring it in, you know, if he could do it in the six days, that mm -hmm. he would get a bonus. Jerry Finnerman? Jer Jerry Finnerman. Okay. And yeah. still as a DP? Not directing, but just... As, as DP. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. He never directed there. No. That's what I mean. That's what I meant. He, yeah, he yeah, didn't yeah. direct until Night Gallery. Yeah. But, um, so they had you back just on the... So Metamorphosis was... They had you yeah. back pretty quickly. But, of course, there was a three-month lapse. Right. They, right. Because they didn't go from one to the other. There, it, well, it was because... Well, it was the hiatus. Well, the hiatus. And then, but in, in, but, but in between... Mission Impossible was still shooting, so I that shot the train, that episode of Mission Impossible, the train, and then went, so it was three months between. How do you remember all your details like this? I don't know. You're just, that's just, uh, yeah. I sound like my wife talking to me about certain things, <laughs> but uh, it's just, it's amazing. So, so Metamorphosis, a Gene Kuhn, wonderful story. Oh, yeah, I loved it. That was my favorite. And, and the idea of holding up the scarf, to see the that was well that, that was mine, but it was not for that reason, because at that point I did not know what I did. I didn't know what the what the cloud was going to look like. Yeah, but I didn't want to. I, I needed something to start the scene, so I didn't just do a master and his talking. So I thought, well, Pierce, the companion is now in a woman's body, and she's got a scarf, and she's never seen a scarf before. And she lifted it up, and it comes down. Well, as long as you've got that, somebody, and it, was, it probably was Bobby Justman. The, the scarf was green, but if you look through here, it's yellow, which was the color of the companion. Mm -hmm. And it, it, you know, the film is there, and you just, you just change the meaning. And, of course, her performance worked. So it's, it's a magic moment again. Well, it's it's incredible, and it's I don't know if you realize that Zephram Cochran was Glenn Corbett. So I was, how did Glenn Corbett and Eleanor Donahue need? I had, I, 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 well, Joe suggested him, and I had worked with him, so I had done. No, I would only done one show. I did uh, a Route sixty six. I did one mm. of the two Route sixty sixes that were the pilot for him to take over for, to, for George. George Maharis. Maharis. Yeah. Um, and then Eleanor Donahue, I just always assumed she was wanting to break out of her uh, uh, father knows best, you know, little girl persona. Well, well, yeah, for her standpoint, she says says that, and I didn't know this, but I mean, she said that Jean Roddenberry called her husband Harry Ackerman, and then asked if he could call Eleanor. So I, I didn't know that. I mean, I did. Oh, okay. But Joe was the one who suggested her. Well, no, it was a, it's a, it's a, I mean, the, the fact that Zephram Cochran, I mean, when you, you're just shooting a show and you weren't, 
There's no, the, there's no idea that people are going to care about this five years from now, much less 10 or 30 or 50 years from now. Oh, no, no. I mean, when we were doing a show, what did, did I think it was going to last 50 years? I just wanted it to be good enough to make the summer reruns. <laughs> well, I mean, the fact that here's the episode where Zeph from Cock... I mean, no one sat around and went, you know... We're, we're establishing in Star Trek history that Zephram oh. Cochran invented warp drive, and this is going to get referred to all the time, and th that was not even a, a well, paradigm I, of thought. Right? Well, I mean, the only one that wanted it to keep going was Gene Roddenberry, because, I mean, Paramount didn't want it. Uh, NBC didn't want it. I mean, they, 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 were, they tried to cancel it at the end of the first season, and yeah. again at the end of the second season. Yeah. And then with Fred Freiberger's help, they managed to do it at the end of the third. <laughs> well, um, uh, I, I, and I don't want to stop talking. I want to keep moving on, but um, God, Metamorphosis. And Metamorphosis, the other one, is the one that had the try to maximize the set, the stage length, right? Oh, yes. I mean, it's, it's a mess. I, I look at the show now and marvel. I, I don't know how we did it because it was a small set. It was a small studio. Yeah, small stage. Well, stages. you had the little hut, his his house that you're trying to make look bigger anyway. But you had, and then the shuttlecraft live miniature on the other end, and that they're well, not on the other end. They they were all in front of the same. We had one site, and the shuttlecraft was set in, mm -hmm. and then Jerry Finnerman had two two requests. He wanted to do a purple sky. I said sure. And he said, and I think we should use the nine millimeter lens, which I didn't know about the fisheye. Uh -huh. And that's, I mean, that's what really makes, I mean, we, we shot from one end of the sound stage to the shuttlecraft and looked like a football field. And it was maybe as far away as that wall. <laughs> and it, but it was also shooting not, not only off the set, off of the site, mm -hmm. it was shooting the the soundstage ceiling, so he was put the the rocks in to frame it. That then, overhead piece, right? Well, it was just to to, to frame it so you know, you didn't go off the set and show the soundstage. But then once you got that, the rever reverses, you just had to find a place, arrange some of those mm -hmm. pieces, and do the reverses against the same site. And then they took that out and put the house in. But it was all against that same psych and just changing, redoing your sets. Pulling things in and out. Did I know you, it sounds complicated. It was it was just dynamite friendly, fun to do. Yeah. And then a chunk of the season goes by. And, and again, the, the, the other two, Mark Daniels and Joe Pevney, are kind of the main, they're, they're alternating. And then when that kind of wears out toward the end of the so bread and circuses comes along, um, and and there there, there was a, a gap again between metamorphosis mm -hmm. and bread and circuses. Yeah, like fifteen episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, metamorphosis is two, and bread and circuses is seventeen. Yeah, that season. Yeah, yeah. So I was I don't even remember what I was doing, but I was off doing something yeah. else. Well, you were busy. Yeah. You were always working. Uh, so what did you think about bread and circuses? Well, by then Paramount had bought. Mm -hmm. Paramount had bought the studios. Lucy, you know, couldn't afford to do it anymore. I mean, and I get, I've just read not too long ago that it was the board of directors that said, you know, something has to happen. Uh, 
the, the main, the big thing was just that before, when I went to do the show, Gene, Gene told me, we have a six-day schedule. This is Gene. Gene Kuhn mm -hmm. told me, we have a six-day schedule, but uh, we're averaging out at six and a half. Some shows, some shows go longer, and you know, and the main thing was to get the quality. Uh, Paramount had bought it, and by the time I got there, I, I was not doing the first show. It was the first show for me under the Paramount regime, but uh, it was not the first. They had done a few, and uh, there was a tension on the set. I mean, the guys were feeling because six days had to be the max. Yeah, it had to be done, and. Also, your day was going to stop not at seven o'clock, but at six twelve. <laughs> I saw. Why? Okay, that's a bean counter on steroids. Huh? I said that's some accountant on steroids there. So well, yeah, oh, oh, absolutely. And 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 that's fifty twelve. That's forty eight minutes a day times six times. That's almost a half a day. So that where before you what they used to call six days was now going to be five and a half days. And that's that's and that that was a pressure. That was a pressure. Well, the thing I the the bit about this show that aside from the fact that I just saw you the whole setup with with uh, Cassidy in his in his big gym outfit from Huckleberry Finn when they, that whole blooper setup yes, yes. that whole that that was totally planned by everybody. You you and everybody were in on it. Ted Cassidy. Yeah, Ted no, Cassidy. I planned it. Oh, it was okay. That was me. <laughs> That was me. That's what I was, I was starting to say is that I know that Gene wrote the scene that was going to be done that morning, uh, which was a, the jail scene, because it wasn't done the day before, and he didn't have it done in time to give it to me the day before, and he told me he would write it and he would have it at the studio at 6 o'clock in the morning for me to come in so I could do my prep work. And so I came in at 6 o'clock, and he had, the scene was there ready for me. And while I was there, uh, Ted Cassidy roamed onto the set, and I said, oh, because I, I knew that this was the scene where Kirk comes mm -hmm. and is going to free them. Yeah, shoot and, at the gate, shoot at yeah, the door. And, yeah. to, to do that. And, and I said, oh, and we, everybody knew about it except Bill. No, I did that. <laughs> So here's the thing, though, about Bread and Circuses. It's the whole last scene. It's the denouement. Of, it's the wrap-up where they're talking about worshiping the sun and worshiping the sun, and they all assume it's S-U-N. And it's Uhura that turns around and says, no, I've been monitoring. It's the son of God. And that seems so un-Roddenberry. Because he was I've, trying I've to heard be, that too. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, when you were shooting, was that a was that a Gene Kuhn scene, and that and that that was even no, maybe no, no, one no, of the no, layers no. And, of something and, between. And, and the whole the whole thing about the sun. I mean, again, it's one of the, it was the only time that I really got involved uh, in content, and I was concerned just with that first draft I got that people were going to say, "Oh, I mean, the sun. We know what that is," and. I don't. I don't remember what I know that both genes worked on different scenes, and that there was a, the scene in the cave where Ian, Ian, whatever his name is, the yeah. old, the old man, Septimus, the old man, right? Uh, his final scene when he tells them that they're going off to the, to the city, they'll give them cost, you know, clothes to wear, and something about the sun. And my next shot is the sun, mm -hmm. just to implant, and it worked because people really. Have, 
I have comments on my post on that, saying that when that shot comes up, it's always such a shock to them, and that that souls through. Uh, as to the thing about Gene Roddenberry, I don't know. You know, uh, that goes back to the original concept, and I I don't know. What. So the scene and those lines and, and Nichelle delivers them that no one at the time thought that seems a little overtly preachy or a little overtly where, where Star Trek usually hands off politics and religion I know, no, no, or contemporary. It never came up. never came mm. up. I mean, that, that was the script. That's, that was what, they, what we shot in mm-hmm. to, to, make it, to make it real, make it work. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the, it's the twist. Oh, it's the a end. twist, yeah. yeah. Actually, the real twist, Trekophiles, is that not only Ralph was bringing in all of his assignments on time and on budget and never got to share in that reward bounty for directors, but that, air quotes, running over, as you know, was the given reason for exactly why he was the only director in all Star Trek history to be let go midway through a shoot for the Tholian Whip. And again, I urge you to check out our episode 7-5 for the full story on that. Meanwhile, I hope you realize how amazing it is that Ralph is out here still sharing about his front row trek adventures from the 60s and all of those he worked with. Now, I hope you stay with us. We have a full gamut of guests still to come, helping us dissect Gene's files and relating them to today. But you can bet we have another visit or two with Ralph to share as well here on The Trek Files. Produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. All of our documents and your chance to comment, and please do, are available, yes, at facebook.com slash thetrekfiles. Hey, check out all the Trek Files' new swag and shirts at the Trekland shop at tpublic.com slash stores slash trekland hyphen shop. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek in Portal 47. That's me at larrynemacek.com. Trek well, everybody. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.